Today we continue with Hebrews, and we are in chapter 2 today. Uh, it's a, this series on Hebrews, it's a primer for our faith. And the writer of Hebrews could have been one of several people. It is not called out, and it doesn't have a, you know, love so-and-so at the end of it. And uh, it, it's really up to uh, people's opinion, really, to think who could it have been. And uh, Pastor Steve told us uh, some men who it could have been, but there are even some people who think it could have even been some women because women in that early church had some uh, positions of leadership. They had positions. um, One of them was even an apostle, Junius. And um, it could have been even them. But we don't know who wrote the book. So we just know that God wanted it as part of the word of God for us. And so there's some awesome things in there. Uh, It was written to some people who had become followers of Jesus. It's around the time where they were expelled from Rome. There were a bunch of problems in Rome, and uh, the the government in Rome said, it's all the fault of these followers of Jesus. And so they kicked them out of the city, and they could be the people, actually, who received this letter. And they've got a background of knowing and observing the law first as Jewish believers and with the persecution that they're experiencing now outside, being first being uh, kicked out of Rome and then facing persecution from people around them, some of them are thinking, you know what, maybe we just need to go back. Because the, the people who were still uh, Jewish, people who didn't believe in Jesus, weren't receiving that persecution. And so they said, you know what, maybe we just need to not even be doing this. And some of them were thinking they just, like, let go of that and go away from their faith in Jesus Christ. And this book is written to them to let them know that Jesus is above all. Jesus Christ is superior to the law. Uh, He came to fulfill the law, but he is over the law. He is superior to everything. And so to go away from their faith in Jesus Christ would be for them an eternal mistake. So this week, as you know, it snowed. We have some ice and some snow, and unfortunately, some people got injured. Dolan's husband broke his ankle and and, uh, has a a serious injury. Hopefully, that's not why some people aren't here today, is that they got injured. But um, the snow, when there's snow and ice, it's kind of a little sketchy out there, isn't it? When you're out driving your car, um, you need, um, and even walking, right? Uh, What's a good idea? If you want to avoid an accident, what do you need to do? What do you think? Watch where you're going. Pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention, exactly. <laughs> uh, why would you need to pay attention? Be alert, right. Why would you need to pay attention? Why would you need to be alert? So you don't wind up in the hospital, right. <laughs> So you don't make a mistake. You might get hurt, right? Okay, so and warn other people. Sure, exactly. That's all very good. Now let's take all that thought and look at the scripture that we have for today. We're going to read this in a couple of parts, but let's start with verses one through four of Hebrews two. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, 
How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Okay, so we'll just stop there for a moment and talk about this. Um, so he's saying, pay a careful attention, pay attention to what you've heard so you don't drift away from the faith. So what is it that they had heard that he's mentioning here? What is what what are they supposed to pay attention to? People. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And people brought that message, but what he's saying is beyond just listening to the people, listen to the message. Listen to the message. In in this same book in Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, it tells us in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he's spoken to us by his son. So he's saying, okay, I've spoken to you. You've been spoken to. God has spoken to you through prophets and people and it's according to verse 3 here in chapter uh, chapter 2 it's it's a powerful word it's a powerful word and he's saying you need to pay careful attention give your full attention to the word of the lord otherwise you'll drift away it's kind of like a boat without an anchor and to pay attention is actually a nautical term the the greek that's used there is a nautical term and it's like, uh, you know, those big ships that they had. Well, they had sails on them, but, but they also had people with oars, right? And so when they'd come to the dock, they didn't have the sails up. They had the sails down. But the people with the oars would be rowing, trying to get it into the dock. And if they rowed too hard, they'd just go right past where they were supposed to stop and maybe hit something. And if they didn't row hard enough, they would just kind of drift off and never get to the dock. Okay. So this is the word he's saying, pay attention or you'll drift away from your faith. Um, it, it means that we don't want to slip away or lapse into a type of spiritual defeat. Uh, it speaks of neglect with our faith. And so we don't want to neglect the word of the Lord. Don't neglect the word of the Lord is what he's saying. Don't neglect what God tells you to do. Don't neglect what you've heard from the prophets, from Jesus, or you risk spiritual defeat. And then he says, if this word, in other words, God's word to us, if this word was binding or valid, if it was really true and it would, it, like, kind of like a legal contract, a covenant with God, and every violation of that law and that word and disobedience would receive just punishment Meaning that if we break the law, if we don't do what God has for us, we get a just punishment. He's saying, so how are we going to escape if we know that? And then we ignore so great a salvation that God has prepared for us. And this is speaking about the law and the word of God to us about salvation. Because we can't live up to the law on our own. We can't do it. Otherwise, why did Jesus come, right? So he's saying... If there's a just punishment for us because of that, 
God provided, therefore, a great salvation to us through Jesus Christ. And he says, so you can't turn your back on it. Don't turn your back on it and ignore it. If we don't receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we say, no, I don't want that, we're going to receive a just punishment. An eternity separated from God. An eternity in hell. Revelation 20.15 talks about the final judgment, and it says anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire, into hell. And that book of life, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our names are in the book of life. If we turn away from it or don't receive it, they're not there. So our names are in that book of life. We want to make sure that everybody we know understands that word from God because if their names are not written in that book of life, God's word says they're going to spend an eternity away from him in hell. So some of these Jewish believers were turning away from Jesus and going back to the law, where every violation of the law, every time they sinned, it's like they're adding on to this just punishment that they'll receive. And the salvation they were ignoring was told to us by Jesus. It tells us that it's confirmed by eyewitnesses. So who are the eyewitnesses? Well, Luke 1, 1 and 2 uh, says many have taken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those from the first who were eyewitnesses and the servants of the word. So what he's talking about here are all the people who saw Jesus and heard him like the disciples and the other followers of Jesus Christ. These people were eyewitnesses. He's saying it's confirmed by the eyewitnesses. They saw that Jesus died and they saw that he rose from the dead when he came back and and we have accounts of that in the new testament when he came back and spent a little time with his disciples before he ascended back to heaven and so there's eyewitnesses about that also it says it was testified to or shown to be powerful um, by signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the holy spirit he's saying that when the gospel was preached there were these signs, there were these wonders, there were these miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit that would manifest so that any time you have people who are following Jesus Christ, you have people who have the, and have the power of the Holy Spirit in them, you see things happen, like people getting healed when they're prayed for, like people who um, have a word from God that God gives them to give to someone. You have people who have all kinds of gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it tells us in this passage here in verse 4 that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were distributed according to his will. So the Holy Spirit decides who gets what gift. Pretty cool. I'd rather have him decide than me. And so the believers, the followers of Jesus Christ in the early church saw that power of God in the signs and wonders. You, you read in Acts all the things that were going on. It was amazing. It was God confirming the power of the word of God. And these signs and wonders are the expression of the Holy Spirit through the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in believers. And we see these gifts operating today too. Uh, in the church today, healings, miracles, words of knowledge, prophecies, gifts of tongues and interpretation, 
teachings, pastors, evangelists, more. There's a, a lot of gifts listed in the New Testament. Um, one passage is 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. And it says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for a common good. To one there is given the Spirit of a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And then in 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says that we should eagerly desire these gifts of the Spirit. And what that means is if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you should desire to use, know and use that gift of the Holy Spirit that he has given you. Um, we don't select them. Like I said, good thing. Um, the Holy Spirit deposits them in us when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit according to the will of God. And we, our part is to eagerly desire it. Um, we want God to work in us. So why would we, you know, that's one way he does is through that gift to touch other people, to, to help the body of Christ and to um, help those around us come to know Jesus. Okay, so let's go ahead then and read on in chapter 2 of Hebrews, starting at verse 5 through the end of the chapter we'll read. It is not to angels that he subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels, you crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He said, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. 
Okay, so he's talking about the world to come in here and speaks of the end of time there. And when Jesus rules and reigns, and it's saying, uh, we will reign with him. In Revelation 5, 9, and 10, it's talking about this big group in heaven singing a song saying, you, Jesus, are worthy to take the throne and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. That's pretty cool. Are you part of that group that Jesus purchased? Yeah. So the promise to us is that we're going to reign with him on earth. How absolutely awesome. And that's not just talked about in the New Testament. It's also talked about in the Old Testament in Daniel 7. Uh, Verses 26 through 27, it says the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. This is talking about at the judgment, the thing we read about earlier about the devil being stripped of his power and thrown into the lake of fire. This talks about it here. Then the, the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. So it's saying that all the kingdoms, when Jesus comes to rule and reign here on earth, that all those kingdoms, the power of those kingdoms will be handed over to uh, the holy people of the Most High. So, okay, so who are the holy people of the Most High? Us, yes. We will be a kingdom and priests to serve our Lord God and reign with him. The world to come will be subject to to God and to the believers, the saints of God, not the angels. They're not part of the reward when we follow Jesus and do his will. Chapter 1 told us that angels are ministering spirits that God uses to send to people who will believe. But the ones who will reign and rule with him are us, followers of Jesus. It then has some some quotes from other scripture in the Old Testament, and it's talking about the Son of Man, and it's speaking of Jesus. And it tells us that when he became flesh like us, when he came to earth to dwell with us for that time, he had the limitations of a human body. He had he was not like he was when he was in heaven. He came and put himself under the limitations of a human body, which means that's why he had to get away sometimes and rest, you know. Uh, He put that limitation on himself. And why? It says he had to do it to save us. He was lower than the angels at that point. But after, it says, Jesus was crowned with glory and honor, and God put everything under his feet. It means that he, in his bodily form, he died for us on that cross, He suffered and died with our sin upon him. But after that, when he rose, he's crowned with glory and honor. And God has put everything under his feet. He triumphed over death and hell and the devil. And Philippians 2, 8, 9 tells us a little bit about that. 2, 8 through 11, pardon me. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
It, we were studying in Colossians this past week about how we are in Christ. So that means when we are in Christ, all the things that are under his feet can be under our feet too when we are in him, following him, trusting him, doing what he has called us to do. We don't have to be, while we might get um, go through some stuff, we don't have to surrender to it. When the devil comes and says, take this, don't you want to think this? Say, no, I'm not going to think that. I'm going to surrender that to the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ because Jesus is above all. And, and I'm going to say the name of Jesus Christ is over all of that junk that's coming against me. I'm not receiving it. We can live victorious lives in Jesus Christ. God put everything under Jesus' feet. He is over all. Every sickness, every disease, everything of the enemy that would come against you, he is over all. Nothing is left that isn't subject to him. Jesus is appointed over all the works of God's hands. That means he's over us. And right now, we don't see everything completely fulfilled, but it tells us that we see Jesus. We see that he is crowned with honor and glory. He suffered death by God's grace. Jesus tasted death for us. Um, Jesus experienced what that second death would be. There's the first death, the physical death. But then if you are not in Jesus Christ, there's a second death, the spiritual death, that where your name is not written in the book of life. He tasted that death for us by putting all the sin of humanity on himself when he died on the cross. So we don't have to experience that spiritual death. We can live because of what he did for us. Live in eternity with God. First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. By Jesus suffering for us, and it tells us that Jesus is the author of our salvation. And author, that's kind of a curious thing to say, but what that word can also mean is originator founder he's the founder of our faith by what he did for us it says for whom and by whom everything exists for him god brings us to himself through that and brings us to glory and it tells us in that passage that what jesus uh, suffered made him perfect and that's a greek word for that perfect actually means fully prepared or complete as our savior because of what Jesus has done for us, it tells us that he made us holy. He made us righteous when we trust him. And we're in the family of God with Jesus. Jesus even calls us brothers and sisters. So what does that mean for you, that you are sons and daughters of God? an heir of his kingdom. We have access to the same power as Jesus. We have access to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. We're, we're, we not only have access to the Father and all he has for us, the power and riches of, of God available to us through Jesus Christ, but we have each other. How cool is that? You know, we're not doing this alone. We, we not only have God and his power, but we have each other. That's awesome. Um, a verse about that says in 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and righteousness. Jesus had to become like us to die for us, and by his death he destroyed the power of the devil over us and freed us from all the slavery of the fear of death. All of the slavery the enemy would want to put on us, that's gone. That has no power over us. He'll keep trying to tempt you to take it back, but don't take it back. <laughs> you don't have to. Walk as a victor. Walk victorious. And don't receive that junk <laughs> of the devil. Jesus didn't do these things to help the angels, it tells us. The angels don't need that. Who needs the helper is us. He says the descendants of Abraham, but anybody who's in the body of Christ, we need the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Um, it, Jesus, it tells us, is like a high priest, merciful and faithful in the service to God. What a high priest did was he would, in the Old Testament, he would prepare and uh, sacrifice the animal. And that animal would be on behalf of the person that brought it to cover their sin. But it was not something permanent. You had to come back every year or every time there was a need in your life. You had to come back. And so Jesus, when he died, it was a once-for-all deal. We don't have to have him keep dying over and over. <laughs> he, did, he did the perfect sacrifice. And he, so he's like the sacrifice and also the high priest because he represents us. Leviticus 6, 6 through 7 says, At a penalty they must bring to the priest, that is, to the Lord, their guilt offering, a ram from the flock, one without uh, defect and proper value. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them before the Lord, and they will be forgiven for any of the things they did that made them guilty. Yeah, Jesus took care of that. His death, once for all, the perfect sacrifice. Jesus offered the perfect eternal sacrifice of himself on our behalf, and we don't have to do anything except receive it and surrender ourselves to him. Not only does Jesus forgive us our, our sins, but he helps us when we're tempted to sin, and he helps us to grow in our faith. So as we look at this today, what things can we pull out of this for us to grow in our faith? The first thing is pay attention to the word of God. Uh, it, it's great to go to church and hear a ma message uh, based on a, a passage of scripture. And I'm not saying don't stop that. Keep coming. That's good too. That's part of the deal. But each one of us also needs to every day read the Bible for ourselves. To hear from God for ourselves. To help us develop that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no way to do it if you don't read your Bible ever and you just like, it's just sitting there on a nightstand or somewhere. It's not going to get into you unless you read it 
And it's so cool to read it because God will speak to you through it. You need to pay careful attention to the word of God. Let, let me give you an example here. Like, say you have a really good friend, okay, and you get together all the time. And then they move out of the area. Well, you no longer are able to get together with them very often, right? And then after a while, even your texts and emails kind of start dwindling down. So what happens over the months and years with that friendship? Yep, break off, no longer friends. It dies. The spirit of the friendship grows apart, yeah. You drift away, right? You just it, It's not like you decided, to, maybe you do, but most times it's just that you drift away from people. And just as with a friend, if you don't meet with God and hear from him as you read the Bible and, and as you pray, you begin to drift away in your faith. You don't neglect these important things um, to read the Bible, to pray and worship God during the week or yourself. You shouldn't do that or you will drift away. Uh, in fact, have a plan to read the Bible. Uh, maybe you don't have a plan and let me give you one. Uh, what I do is I have two markers in my Bible, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, and I keep moving them forward. You can use a post-it note or whatever moving them forward and I read like a passage or a chapter an account in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament and before I do I ask God you speak to me today I want to meet with you and and hear from you and when you read through you're going to find that there are some verses or maybe just one even that really speaks to you and you hear wow God I, I needed that today thank you and then through the day, just think about that verse from time to time and kind of meditate on it uh, when you have a moment. So to grow in our faith, we need to pay attention to the Word of God. And secondly, be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Be saturated, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the power of God in us. You can't live the Christian life in your own strength and power. That's why God provided this for us, so that we have the ability to do the things he's commanded us to do. And not only that, but you, uh, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you also receive gifts of the Spirit. And you will want to find out what your gift is. What is your gift? There's like way more than I read. I just read one passage. There's a couple other passages that talk about gifts. And we're going to have a class about that soon, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. To be fulfilled, you need to know what God has gifted you with, how he has made you, and how you can use that to honor and glorify him. It's the most satisfying thing to see God use you and use you through that gift. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then three, live free from sin's power. Jesus lived his life on earth subject to all the same attacks that we encounter, but he didn't surrender to them. He triumphed over them. He helps us when we're attacked. And that slavery to sin, that power of sin over us, that's broken off of us when we trust him, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. By being surrendered to him, you know anything that comes along? If it's not of God, you don't have to receive that. If it's God, he's going to give you the strength to endure it. 
Acts 13, 38, 39. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. So if you're having trouble being set free from sin and you want spiritual counseling, I would ask, uh, tell you that you can contact the pastors for a time during the week. And uh, we've seen people set free from the hindrances of the past that would hold them back. Jesus wants us to live free from the power of sin. He wants us to live victorious lives. So just uh, contact the pastors and set up a time. So if we want to grow in our faith, we want to pay attention to the word of God, we want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and we want to live free from sin's power. Would you stand with me as we close? Just ask everyone to bow their heads. If you want to grow in your faith and you want to live free from the power of sin in your life, just raise your hand. Okay, thank you. If you wish to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to have the power that you need to follow Jesus Christ, to honor and glorify God in all that you do, just raise your hand. Thank you. Lord God, we just thank you that um, this passage is so wonderful to show us, Lord, what you have for us. Lord, that you are the perfect sacrifice. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, the perfect sacrifice. And that he triumphed over everything that would want to come against us. He triumphed over death and hell, over the devil. Lord God, I thank you that we don't have to live in that power of that sin. That we can trust you. And that while we might mess up every now and then, it doesn't have to overwhelm us. We can submit that to the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ and ask you to wash it off of us. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your power. Fill us with the Holy Spirit to enable us to live the victorious life that you have for each of us. Lord God, I pray that we wouldn't be um, listening to that voice of the enemy. He is a defeated foe. Instead, Father, we want to hear from you. Help us to read your word daily. Help us, Father, to um, be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit each day when we leave for work. Lord, help us to put that on as um, armor of God. And, Lord, I pray, too, that as we encounter things, Lord, that we would turn to you for help, that we would turn to you for your protection and your provision. Lord, I pray that as we live our lives for you, that it would be an example to those around us what it means to follow Jesus. Christ. Lord, use us as examples that would draw them to you in Jesus' name. By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all in Jesus' name. Amen.